Welcome back to another episode of Less Than 10, an EVE Online Small Gang PvP podcast. And this is a fairly special episode because we're halfway to 100. It's episode 50. And uh, this is pretty cool because we have a very cool returning, no, I don't want to say guest because that just feels weird, but returning host. Um, so 10 and I are here tonight and Casper's probably going to hop in later. But uh, say hi, buddy. Say Say hey, how's it going? Hey everybody, this is Blood Ruin, uh, one of the founding members of the Less Than 10 Discord and podcast, and yeah, I'm excited to be back and chat and just kind of talk about some stuff that's been going on and have a have a good time broing out. It'd be a lot of fun. You say Discord like it's a proud thing. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, speaking of milestones, we just passed 2,000 members. That's, that's awesome. Insane. It's it is it's a thing. That's uh, a lot anyway. of people. <laughs> but anyway, let's uh let's just kinda do our intro thing that we do every episode and talk about what we know, what we've been up to lately and I'll go first. Um so like August was a really busy real life month for me. I talked about this last episode, but I've been like uh like COVID summer. I mean COVID's getting shitty again, but we're not gonna talk about that. Um we so I've been like camping and stuff lots. I was on like a 10 day camping trip, not even in cell range. It was beautiful, wonderful. I had lots of fun with my kids being in the, being in the wilderness. Um, but I did get to roam a little bit. Um, so I was doing like some low sec stuff and got some null sec fights, just very like balanced roaming. I was flying like a Drake Navy. I was flying a retribution. The Drake Navy was the polar one that I talked about it like 10, 15 episodes ago. I had loaned it to Amelia and like we got a six fight. Um, yeah, I've been flying a bit of Wolf, Artie, but I really want to fly an AC Wolf that Max has been flying from Markorp. That just is like a fall-off AC Wolf that looks so fun. So I'm going to start flying that instead of the Artie Wolf soon. Um, but that's about it. Like, just, you know, August, I have one more trip to do, uh, on my next days off. And then it's starting to September, kids back to school, like, back to my Eve hobby more regularly so that should be fun and yeah oh and i got a 3d printer <laughs> so i've been messing with that the last couple days obsessively but, oh nice uh, is it is it a resin printer or a filament filament it's like the the nice the ender ender 3 v2 yeah i've been printing all kinds of stuff so that's awesome how about you 10 oh you know it's i've got a lot of summer things going on also and i've been uh you know it's it's august which is when people in the hamptons who have a ton of money have parties uh <laughs> so and i i that's my employment basically is rich people parties so i've been doing that going out to work uh sweating my brains out so yeah no um, but playing Eve on and off, I've been, you know, trying to be more casual about just like not trying to get a group together and doing stuff, just like yeeting myself into space and seeing what happens more often. Um, I have 
just an accumulation of ship hulls in Jita that I don't really have any purpose for. Like I looked the other day and realized I had 15 Vaxer hulls. Why? I don't know. I just do. Uh, so I've been like just throwing a fit on them and taking them to their death, which has been a lot of fun. And then uh, the other day I took my, you know, we had a little gang going, so I, we were feeling a little blingy and I got in my high grades and took my drogger out and shook off a little bit of that rust, but it was, it was really fun. Um, so I guess I'll give like a, a, a little more lengthy rundown. Um, I feel the last eight months or so of my life have been pretty crazy and, and that's kind of translated to very little Eve, uh, as well as, you know, podcasts and just general things. But, um, while back in January, I moved uh, to be closer to my girlfriend. Uh, actually, we were living about an hour and a half apart. And so I moved cities, also started a new job with that. And then in March, we got engaged. And uh, I also started going to school full time. Um, so that has then led to the last six months just being a lot of things like wedding planning, um, school, and then uh we actually are trying to buy a house right now, and uh, we have a home inspection tomorrow. Uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully it goes through, and within a month we'll be in a house and have the the biggest uh, like accrual of debt that we'll ever have in our lives. So, <laughs> dude, it, sh- it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> That's yes. what buying a house is. You you hope that inspector doesn't find anything bad, and you hope that you don't end up like. When we bought our place, we had to delay the closing three and a half months because there was a whole thing with the basement that they had to redo this thing to be up to code and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and yeah. then you're you're going to sign a bunch of papers that have numbers on them that are bigger than you think you'll ever be able to pay back. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Yeah, I, like, I get it, and it's going to be worth doing. But I'm just like, yeah, uh, it's it's a uh, man. Adulting's hard, and you know, I I know that I was supposed to be adulting much earlier in my life than this. But man, I I still don't feel like I'm prepared. <laughs> I don't think you're ever really prepared. You just get used to the feeling of being unprepared at a certain point. Yes, there's it's like yeah. a new a new benchmark of of what prepared is. Uh. Well, that's awesome, dude. I'm stoked you're back, and I'm stoked you've been having such a productive uh, time away from me, even away from the podcast. Yeah, it it it's it's good to get back. I even though I haven't been playing, I've been watching like um, I, Oris put out a video with uh, Varger things because that had you know the mechanic around Bastion had changed, and uh, so I was watching his video and just seeing like the insane amount of DPS that gets pumped out uh and like that feels like it gave them a little bit better spot and so i've been watching some of those things that even though i'm not playing i'm like oh this is cool and it's fun to see the guys that i fly with still making content and you know you get the podcast doing well still and and people being active in discord and all that so yeah it's just it's been really fun um i just think like how would i phrase this in my brain priorities have had to change um and and that'll probably be that way for a little while longer but then that'll allow me the opportunities to you know in probably a year or two be back and into eve and enjoying 
Um, you know, another big thing to, to, that I'm excited for is the, the Alliance tournament coming back. Like, I am not going to be able to play, but, man, I'm so excited to watch and just see that come back and all the guys that I flew with, like, I'll be cheering for them. So, like, that's going to be very exciting. Hell yeah, yeah that's super cool, right? Well, let's kind of get into AT stuff because, I mean, it's going to be like an ongoing segment for us. That's all we talked about the last two eps. And, and well, and kinda... Marauders. We've been talking about Marauders a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so the latest thing in the AT, uh, I'm sure most listeners are following it, but they had the big draw for the brackets and announced like who's in the feeder rounds and who's in the tournament and all those things. So that's cool. Um, there's, a, there's a challenge link which we'll link in the show notes um, for both the feeder tournament and the official AT. Um, so some things to note that I picked up on. So the Alliance 10 and I are in network. Uh, we get a round one by, I believe, and then we're going to place face the winner of a feeder tournament placing. Uh, I think it's just round one is our feeder friend, effectively. Like, it's listed as round one, but that's actually the last round of the feeder matches, if that makes sense. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, sorry, not a buy. But, but yeah, it is against the feeder team, and it's going, it, it, like, I would say it's probably going to be Exodus. I looked through the feeder tournament, and there's, a, there's, like, a couple pretty big names that I saw in the feeder tournament. One would be Exodus. I know AP's on that team. Um, there's, I'm not sure who's on it, but Laserhawks is in the feeder tournament. They're another one that, uh, they have quite a bit of AT prowess. Not like a super top tier, but, you know, yeah. solid team. Tactical Nortotics team. Yeah, there's yeah. Castabouts, who, who Castabouts is, like, in the past, they've been pretty decent. Um, yeah, there's, like, a lot of names in there that... NC Dots in there? Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> So, oh, and in Tropic Thunder, that's the Dragon Boys. Yeah. <laughs> right, so there's like some pretty big names. There's a Shadow Cartel team. I bet you they're going to be, uh, you know, pulling pretty heavy. So the feeder tournament itself even looks good. Bright Side of Death. And that's going to be spicy because that's single elimination. So that's, uh, you know, if you don't yeah. win every match you're in, you don't get into the AT. Exactly. So. It's going to be interesting. Um, so that's the feeder tournament. And then, yeah, I mean, people have been practicing. I, I haven't made any practices because, like I said, August camping, outdoor stuff. What are, what are, have you made any practices this month, then? Have you... uh, yeah, I've made two, I think. Um, I'm not, you know, planning on showing up for a ton of them because my, my schedule is so unpredictable with work and stuff. But, you know, if, I, if they, you know, need an extra person... I'm happy to show up if when I can. Uh, and it's been really interesting. It's it's cool to to run the same comps repeatedly and you know tweak what you do rather than and then separately tweak what you're doing it in, like what ships you're using or what fittings you're using and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think some of the most valuable learning in all of Eve happens in those AT practices because. Like, I remember flying Bomber and knowing that the fit was more or less optimized. And so the only thing to change was how I flew it. And, 
you know, learning how do I avoid damage from artillery? How do I avoid some damage from light missiles, like, you know, rapid lights or whatever? Um, and then also, like, learning how do I communicate what I'm doing or what my needs are to my logistics pilot or to my team members, um, because that also plays a role. You know, if I'm getting chased down by something small trying to tackle me, um, you know, that that process and that communication doesn't really have anything to do with the fit or the ship, but by communicating certain things, it could change the total dynamic of how that, that session or that fight plays out. It could totally change how my ability to live or, or if I get zapped right off the field, you know, and early on, I mean, I, I remember getting one shot so many times by Artie's and just repeatedly then talking to that pilot too and being like, Oh, okay. So did you match, you know, was I too close? What, how were you able to land that damage on me? And then like me and the pilot who had just killed me got to discuss strategies for how I can survive and change what I did, whether it was I turn my micro warp drive on five seconds before the match starts so that it ends by the time they finish their lock and my signature bloom is smaller, but I'm, I've got some velocity, like, so all of that intricate stuff comes from the practices, not from the other part <laughs> of AT, yeah. you know? And then you can take that back into normal EVE and piloting small ships, big ships, whatever, um, and, and become a much more effective pilot because you've just put in a hundred sessions of fights in these specific ships that would normally take a month or something, you know, two months throughout a variety of fights in a lot of different situations on TQ where you might've just got dumpstered and not had the learning opportunity. Well, not just had the learning opportunity, but just the, the amount of time, you know, when you're in an AT practice, both teams that are there to practice, or if you're practicing internally or whatever, like everyone's there to bang out a bunch of matches really fast. So there's, you know, everyone's working to minimize the downtime and there's not the like, now we've got to scan this wormhole and roam to this place or roll this wormhole and roam to this yeah, place yeah. and fill them in, you know, so there's just the, the concentration of fight to time is much higher. Yeah, that too, yeah. And actually, one of the things that I think is something I always find really interesting about EVE in general is you're talking about how to communicate, but also, you know, not just how to effectively communicate what you're saying, but how to communicate that to your team without using up too much communication bandwidth because you've got 10 or 12 people in a comm channel and you can't all talk at once, you know, like there's some information has to be sent and heard, but it has to be heard too. So you have to like figure out how, how to communicate in the most sort of efficient, uh, efficient traffic way, but still actually fully communicate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the like I mentioned before. Like, I love, I love watching um, comms with with AT like AT matches from level teams. It's so intriguing and engaging. Like how much it sounds like a clusterfuck, but it's yeah, like super precise and and, and everything. So, speaking of watching videos and communications. Just going to digress slightly here and uh, throw out a reminder that the Ferocious View video competition is wrapping up 
real soon. Uh, the deadline for submission is the end of this month, if I recall correctly. Um, and there's definitely a lot of prizes that are there for you to grab if you have come up with a decent video. So uh, if you have any questions about that, feel free to DM one of us or there's a channel on the Discord for it with links to the info. It's on the forums. Quick plug. Back to the AT. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, yeah, it looks like... I mean, man, we can just talk about it every episode now but it's yeah I, like one well, one thing actually that i'll kind of leak i'll leak this because it might motivate me to work on it more but um i've started working on i'm gonna do like a solo narrated podcast episode on the entire history of at from the start it's like at7 i think is where i started so like yeah fully narrated story it's gonna be a massive effort and they can get some people that were around from back in the day to conversations with me so I can use their voice just to, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard like story-driven guest episodes where, where it's narrated and they, they use the voice of the people they interview to answer questions to kind of support the narration. Um, just because there's so many people like, you know, I see it all the time. People make references to like all these old hats or like old parts of the game that are related to small gang and people are just like, who, what? Like, you know, I don't I'm like, who's that? Like, you know what I mean? So I think it'll be cool to tell this yeah, story. Yeah, I think and, it'll be really cool. And I have to do lots of research and like rewatching. I've been rewatching all the old episodes, which are all on the 80s, I should say, which are all on CCB's YouTube channel. You can like all the comments everything the whole thing's there so i literally like go back and watch them i'll like be doing house chores and i'll have them like going to my tv or something like that and just to kind of relive it and remind myself of things and and then like kind of make mental notes or or take my phone out and make notes in google keep and then i go back to my keyboard and like write out the things so i've been doing that that sounds like, awesome <laughs> it's, it's it's actually really fun and engaging i like I sent the script, the the eighty seven script to Casper, and he was just like, "Oh, that's so that's gonna be so cool." So, yeah. And it's like stuff has changed so much, like both meta, but like even just hearing kind of like I'm sure some of the stories on how they got teleported or what the devs, what their process was in in involved in like the rules and some of the behind the scenes stuff that you'll never see even now but like back then i'm assuming it was way different and probably much harder you know and i'm sure led to some crazy funny messed up issues <laughs> yeah it'll be that sounds we'll really fun. yeah we'll see how it goes I'm, I'm hopeful that i can do it and get through it and, and release it but who knows but uh, if, you, if you think it's a good idea, DM me and like give me some forceful motivation, please. <laughs> yeah. So one other thing I want to touch on, we'll start moving away from the AT a little bit, is uh, I want to talk about this war in a way that literally everyone else does, because I don't give a fuck about who won or why or the repercussions. But... The war was making small gang pretty stale in a lot of people's opinion. Like, you had a lot of Nullsec, you know, in one constellation, let alone like two systems, right? So, 
do you guys agree with that? Like, I mean, I know blood, you run around towards the tail end of it. I don't remember when you started taking your break, but I, I kind of recall if the war started. But do you guys have any, uh, like, cool stories from the war that maybe at the beginning, like, where you got good content? And where was it? How, how, how do you think it was towards the end? The only, I mean, I don't know. The, the war didn't change my personal content. Um, in any very interesting ways. I definitely think that having so many people concentrated over there both, you know, kind of made it so that there was always a place you could go 24 hours a day where there's people, for sure, 100%. Maybe there's going to be 600 of them, but there are going to be people there. Um, but on the other hand, like, I really definitely think that there was some, some fatigue and some... Um, you know, some burnout among, you know, the people playing there and they weren't making the effort to go home and do other things. And there definitely, I think, were less people in space. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of opinions about CCP's other changes in scarcity causing that and things. But I, I struggle to imagine that the war was not a contributing factor. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, I remember I had some cool fights. Like, the biggest standout one was... From Thermo when we were on when we were in Thermo and we were rolled out and Tess had a gate camp up and they had like a bunch of carriers that were sending fighters down to the gate and then ships that were tackling and we just came in and just like forced all the small ships the subs off with like our six dudes and then they kept moving fighters to try and like because we were in we had like some battle cruiser all size stuff that is susceptible to fighters and I was in a Kitsune, and I just, like, would perma-jam three squadrons nonstop, and we'd kill the rest, right? And they couldn't re recall them fast enough. Right, because they're hundreds of kilometers from the carrier. <laughs> yeah, because they're being much like we're often referred to, like, non-committal bitches, right? Like, they're just sitting in their tether and, you know, send the fighters over. So, so it, it was just like, yeah, it was pretty cool. For like an hour and a half, we just like shit talk them while we wrecked their gate camp, and this was like right. It was the system that was between two regions. Yeah, that was cool, but it definitely changed. Like I started being low cycle on. Yeah, I feel like wars that are, and this is going back to like when I was in NC Dot, and I, I feel like wars that last longer than like three months tend to kind of stall out, and. In with that, when you have a, a large-scale war, it consolidates not only one large group to an area, but usually two large groups to an area, right? And what that means is that area is overpopulated with low-target environment, right? And then all the other areas that people came from are now super low population with low-target environment. And it, I think it I don't know, I feel like it creates opportunities that are not enjoyable, um, like on, on multiple sides. But that is like the large-scale geopolitic game of Nullsec for a lot of those players. It's just, yeah, like, I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing. I think what's the best is when there are opportunities for small groups and, and including null seckers 
to be doing things in small groups for small durations of time. And I feel like filaments really kind of like allowed for a lot of that. Like it also meant like null seckers could fill them out filament to other areas and that kind of thing doesn't really happen when there's like large scale wars going on or it doesn't happen nearly as much you know yeah and there's a lot less movement around in space because you're either at the war front or you're not doing much because you can't do that much because everyone else is isn't home yeah so that's definitely true. Occasionally, you know, I think my favorite war-related thing, um, sort of <laughs> tangentially war-related, while everyone else was fighting this war, Fraternity decided to take over several more regions uh, in the back. <laughs> um, who really won this war, I ask you. Uh, but one of the, the, the things that happened in the process of them taking over um, Vale and Tribute was a fraternity mutant fleet getting fully pipe bombed like truly uh pipe bombed to death in a way that we haven't you know seen much of in years that's awesome what group pipe bombed them uh toilet paper the franchise okay. and did they did they pipe bomb them with black ops or did they pipe bomb them with titans <laughs> uh they with a Titan, they dropped, I think it was Tempests with kinetic oh, okay. smart bombs. Okay. No, like so old school pipe bombing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I think they're, I'll see if I can find the battle report, but I think they're, uh, the fraternity scout was like two systems ahead or something. Wow. And, you know, that's too far <laughs> for if someone's going to try to pipe bomb you. But I think, yeah. you know, that's one of, an interesting thing to see happening again because a lot of the you know a lot of the older players remember that, but newer players haven't seen anything like that in a while. Now they gotta go watch Clearing Call. Yeah, and for a while it was like more popular to pipe bomb or or to drop like I thought carriers with smart bombs and then use fighters to mop up. And they were so cost efficient because of insurance that if you lost them, it was no big deal. And it's a lot easier to do that because they have their own jump drives. You didn't need a Titan to bridge and like some of that stuff. Um, so like that, that's cool to see it done old school, you know, the, yeah. the original way with Tempests or Rooks. <laughs> But have you followed much of the economy scarcity stuff, like the price of capitals now? No, not at all. Oh, Has that okay. been adjusted so that they are more expensive now? Because the I remember, like I I remember buying a Nidhogger for like seven hundred mil or something, and I was just like, this is insane. This is just stupid. Like we'll we'll just say yes. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Good. That yeah, time. I guess it's probably not like. Uh, it's probably not like at its end point, but but yeah, all the caps got drastically more expensive. All right, well, I guess I should lock on and sell a Nidhogger that I have sitting around somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's, if you have a you super, probably got five bill from it now. Jeez. Yeah. Do you have a super? Because I, that, yeah, you'd be I, quite happy with. I was gonna say I don't anymore. I sold my Titan a while back. This was like I, I left NC Dot and sold the Titan to um, Christopher Wow actually when. 
I maybe it, uh, it wasn't when this war kicked off. It was a different war, but he was he was streaming at the time, and I ended up giving him it for yeah, and and a character. I sold the character as well to him. So nice. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess that's like that's it about the war. I mean, I don't know what else we can say because, like I said, we don't want to get into the the chess beating circle yeah. jerk that is war politics. Obviously, well, I so really care. oddly yeah. enough, a friend of mine from um, college who's going to be in my wedding, he messaged me. He's never played Eve. He just knew that I played Eve, and he messaged me with an article that one of I don't know if it was IGN or Polygon. I think it was Polygon wrote about like an ending and he was like hey man i know you know i know you play like were you involved and i was like no not really and i read through it and the my only takeaway as an actual eve player was wow this sounds like a lot of fluff (laughs) and i'm like yeah i'm also still like hey any press is good press like i still love eve right like i I love the game but it's it's still that classic like well the big things like this get the press people think about eve though i know and that, and that's what people think eve is yeah. and it and then if they start playing and they actually get in these situations and they get bored it's unfortunate you know yeah for some for some reason my 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 wife has started telling like friends like oh yeah like you know i'm not gonna say my real name but so and so like um actually has a podcast with this like video game that, that like it is every month and like i don't know why because i'm the biggest closet nerd around and uh so like i've had to actually like answer some questions about it and people have heard about the game and it's just like yeah it's like i like i i'm i'm weird that way like i keep my real life and my like closet nerd i'm very separate um and so I don't like talk about video games with. I mean, my real life, like my close friends, for sure, they all for sure know. But like, I don't really, you know, go to a party. It's not like you talk about it at work. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> so I'm like answering people, like they're they're asking questions and they know about Eve. And it's weird explaining like what I do in Eve. It's like no, no, no. Like I, I, I don't fly with groups that go to war. I just, I just roam around in small groups trying yeah, to I don't, kill I don't do any of the things you've heard about. <laughs> it's, it's so it's such a weird like try and explain small gang to someone who like doesn't really play video games or has just like, you know, loosely heard about Eve. It's very it's very odd. So, I have like the opposite experience when I moved over, um my girlfriend and I had dinner with her best friend and her best friend's husband. And it came up in topic of conversation that I play Eve Online, and he also played Eve Online. And my girlfriend thought, this will mean that they'll be best of friends. And we started talking. And I kid you not, he is a space trucker of, like, the high-sec variety. (laughs) Who never, like, and I'm talking, like, Iteron Mark IV. Like, not... Not jump freighters, <laughs> like not engaging. And he and I was talking with him, and he goes, "Yeah, I just liked it because it was just so peaceful and it was a lot of fun." And I, <laughs> just after dinner, yeah. I was like, "Hey, he's a good guy. I just don't think we'll ever share anything in common about Eve Online." <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Uh, and and Classic. when he brought up he's like oh i had this one guy one time like kill me in uh in a belt when i was mining and i was like oh well did he 
was he like, were you can flipping? And he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, did you jettison a container and then put your ore in it? And then he took it, went yellow, you attacked him and he killed you. He's like, yeah, no, that's exactly what happened. I'm like, I just kind of like <laughs> put my, my, <laughs> so that's called bait. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, Oh my goodness, dude. And in, to this day, he still doesn't know really what happened, but I was just like, I was like, oh goodness, I, I don't, I don't understand, I don't know what, to, I, yeah, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, that's, that's something else. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's a lot of people's gameplay, though. That's the thing. It's it like is a lot, of, like, uh, and it kind of re- leads to some stuff I wanted to cover, and that's like we can just loosely cover this, but today, CSP announced these these new, like, skill cues and kind of NP type stuff. And I mean, I think it's really good. We'll just quickly, we don't have to cover like what it is exactly, but it's it's like a decent UI with skill plans and they're shareable and it's essentially like NP type stuff. I mean, like Eve needs more new players. Like we need new players. It's, it's a never ending problem. And I think like just putting more people in space in the game will solve a lot, a lot like make the game a lot better. I've said this before. So I'm like, I'm super hopeful and I hope this stuff helps. And, we need more people like that, more people to get can flipped and like more people to die dumbly and get hooked and get revenge and you know Yeah, totally look to get better and then like find other small gang groups and or go be in a null bear or go be an FC or be a space trucker, like whatever. Just more people in space. Yeah. So let's <clears throat> let's get into our last topic here, boys. And that's we're gonna do like a master class. It's nice to have blood back for this because he was always really, really good about uh, talking a ton and very knowledgeable and stuff. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see if he remembers, but we're going to do a kind of a unique one on recognizing recognizing turret and launcher types uh, through their in-game graphics. So we'll just like super loosely at the beginning cover like how you do this, and then we'll get into specifics, like tips on like, oh, well, you know, the the subtle differences between some of the autocannons and artilleries, things like that, like, um, and, and specific ship types that we like, will basically always, always check. Um, so first off, it's, you know, right click look at, or radial menu look at, or there's also a keyboard shortcut. I, I use the look at key myself. I don't use the keyboard shortcut. Uh, I think there is one, right? What is the default? Do you guys know? I don't know what the default uh, is, but I alt, know you can reassign and it. Click. Yeah. I think it's Alt and click. Alt click. So, if you didn't know, uh, Eve ships have hard points, and they are actually graphical hard points as well. So you can look at the ship, and you can see what weapons are on it. So if they have, you know, like light electron blasters, you can look in the light electron blaster model be on the side of the ship um so it's it's really good like that i mean that's what it is it's very simple so like some very good uses of this like let's say you see a tech three right a lot of a lot of times like tech threes that are sinos like covert sinos they they will have like no weapons sometimes they'll have like things like nosses and probes and a cloak and all these things they won't have guns so aside from the subsystem models giving it away you can also look at the at the hard points and see that they have no guns that's like a very simple uh, explanation I'll let the other guys go through and give us through some of the more like advanced ones so 
Um, one more that I wanted to mention is like a Burdix. Like I always, always, always look at Burdix because if it's Rail or Blaster, like if I can figure that out, start of the fight, it gives me a huge advantage because I fight them differently. <laughs> um, very differently. Like, so the Brudix is a, is a classic example. Um, so if you can learn like the difference between a Blaster and Railgun, uh, which they actually look quite different. I think Blasters and Railguns are like one of the more easier differences. To, to yeah, for check. sure. Um, that's one, but you guys have ones that you like you know, you'll always, always, always go to this. Uh, Firetails. Republic Fleet Firetail, for me, and this, I'll kind of use it as an example to kind of explain my thought process on the visual identification and w what benefits you get from it. So kind of one of the first things I want to mention is if you are going to look at turrets on a ship, you want to make sure that you position yourself in a situation that gives you the time to do that. So as especially us small gangers and kiting, generally we have that opportunity at some point, whether it's with like a, a tackle ship or if it's, you know, because we are around a gate where we see, uh, you know, enemy forces getting ready or whatever, we generally have somewhere in that. But like, I remember fighting in frigates in low sec in faction warfare complexes a lot of times talking to people they will make assumptions where they say well i need to catch this guy when he lands from warping and so i'll get like right on zero and there are times especially if you are trying to learn where you it's going to benefit you a lot more to pull away so that when that other ship comes in you have the time to look at their ship model and make those decisions without being mid-fight or being, you know, uh, with the fight taking the majority of your attention. So that's kind of like one thing to think about is setting up to give yourself the time to look at turrets. Um, and then there's a turret model infographic that was created uh, way back, I mean, like probably six years ago or something. Uh, and we'll link it, but if you just... Google search or look on Reddit for turret launchers uh, and EVE Online. Um, it, it was made by the EVE Altruist way back when, and it's a, just a great model. I don't, I haven't seen anything with Triglavian, um, but there's... No, or Econ, but I was going to say, but... Yeah, but they just have one gun. I was going to say, there's... the ammo that's different. There's not a whole lot to tell. Um, so, yeah, but by memorizing some of those turrets you can then infer a lot about your opponent so the very first thing that a lot you know that will give you is an estimate of range what kind of range ships will have to to be able to project and so in my, the example of a fire tail the reason i always like to think about it is because um it's common to have both artillery or autocannon or at least it was when i was in, in low sec, I think 150 artilleries with like dual webs is now the main go-to. But there there was a good chance of fighting both. And so it really incentivized looking at turrets. And from that, you could infer whether they could hit you at nine kilometers or if, you know, with autocannons, they had to be in around like two kilometers. And you can do that across a lot of ship lines. 
generally speaking, if you see an Orthrus, it's probably Rapid Lights. But if you have the time and the ability to check it, you right, you might want to. Um, yeah. Along with that, though, the turret model tells you a lot more than just range. It also tells you a lot about fitting. And that's where, like, playing with different fits, whether it's in a simulated mode within game or outside of game and, like, Haifa, you can learn a lot about what the base fitting is on a ship. And then when you, for instance, with the Firetail, you put 150 artillery on there, it's going to take a lot of that power grid and CPU. And it's going to take so much power grid and CPU that it will limit your other fitting options. And so there's a very specific reason why if a Firetail has 150 millimeter artillery, uh, or... In my off, is it like 250s? I don't remember what the... It's 250, 280s. 280s. There we go. So 280s. Sorry for my misspeak the whole time. So if, if it has 280s on, it will take up so much power grid that, and CPU that it's very difficult to fit propulsion, scram, web, and a shield extender. And as a result, what has been kind of forced to happen is for... The, the actual tank of that ship has to be a small ancillary armor repper because it's the only way to balance all the CPU. So then if you're in a fight with a Firetail, again, just using it as an example, but you know a lot of this background on what causes these fittings and you see 280 artilleries, you have a really strong sense of what that ship should be fit like. And if all of a sudden mid-fight a NOS shows up, well, you know that they have changed something in their load, like in the in the build, to fit that NOS that has severely hampered their ability to do something else, right? Um, yeah. And and so you can like infer a lot of those things. If a fire tail warps in and you look at it and it's two fifty artillery, right? Very similar, but if it has two fifty artillery. You can then infer that there is a reason that they went to 250s instead of 280s. And the most common fit with 250s, in order to make power grid and everything work, it will include a newt and it will include a tracking disruptor. And the reason they're able to fit those two pieces was because they downsized their guns. And so you can get that, that kind of what I would consider like tertiary knowledge because you looked at their ship, and you saw 280 artillery, and your first inference is what kind of distance and tracking they have, right? The things specific about that turret. Then your second inference is about fitting, right? And then your third inference would be about, like, what that fitting has cost them. And, and kind of, then that can give you a lot of choice whether you want to engage or disengage or some of that thing those things. I think of very similar things with a comet too, like Fed Navy comets have that kind of same balance across a, a couple of the really core um, popular fittings. Yeah. You can generalize that a little bit in um, across weapon types as well. Like anything that has the maximum size of artillery has made a fitting compromise somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, that reminds me of that 
party Loki when I was out in my Draugr. Because we were in like Draugr Retri, me and Orca. And like that Loki popped up through a gate and I saw it was Artie and I was just like, oh fuck, I'm going to ram this guy and scram him. Because I know 720 Lokis fit XLASBs. They don't have much grid. They're like stretching to fit everything. So usually they're, they're XLASB LSE with like fitting mods out the ass and they yeah. can't even fill their utility high. So I, I rammed him in my Draugr, got the scram, and then got hit with two dead space medium newts. And I was just like, fucking what? Like, this guy must have zero tank. And I had to bail because he got a, he neutered my scram off and got a prop mod cycle and I was webbed. And I was like, this is going to end very badly for me. But he didn't have a fucking warp disruptor. So I just warped off. But like, that is an example where like I took this knowledge, I saw I knew what the metafits were. Dude was just like some fucking left field fit, who knows? Like no no point and dual like corpome type newts, medium newts on a Loki. I don't even know how he must have had no XLASB, just like some who knows, like a medium ansel tank maybe. But yeah, it was it was pretty insane. But another example I can think of with the frigates is is slightly like not quite as nuanced as yours, but just slicers, right? Like, yeah. you like slicers are either pulse or beam, and if you're flying another frigate, you like let's even in a, a mirror matchup, right? Like, that's very valuable information to know if your opponent's beam or pulse, because you can fly differently, and and you know if he's beam, you can fly a little closer where where you track better than he does because your pulse he's beam example you know what i mean if you're if it's the opposite you can try and uh keep it some range and, and knock some shields down before getting closer like stuff like that um i think frigates is probably the most pronounced i don't know when yeah it comes to like the like knowing the meta fits and and being like all right he's this so i know how he's fit well and the um i feel like frigates are in both they're sometimes the best learning ground and sometimes the worst because they they do have the smallest margin for error and so it's you can really define what someone must be aiming for or what their fit is is most likely but on the other side it also means like for you in order to really maximize your ship you probably have to have like the best fitting skills or some of those kinds of things. And so um, the cool part, like you were saying, with bigger ships, there's more flexibility, there's more room on a lot of those decisions. And so um, it's it's sometimes harder to pin down like exactly what's going on. But if you see something that's very out of the ordinary and you have some of that knowledge, like you brought up Loki's, I also thought of um, hurricane fleet issues, and sometimes I remembered if if you had full rack of artillery, and I, I can't remember what the exact fit was, but it it essentially meant that you couldn't have newts in your highs because you didn't have enough grid left, and it, mm-hmm. if if you started fighting someone and you could notice, oh okay, they've got the full rack of artillery and they've got XYZ thing, thus they cannot have newts, then you could go in close, you know, and it was some of those kinds of situations that um, give you the ability to up fight or up ship fight too, where you're, you have the ability to fight something like a hurricane fleet issue or 
a hurricane in a frigate or in a cruiser or like I remember fighting like an artillery hurricane fleet issue in a stabber, um, some of that stuff. But it takes that initial process of figuring out what their guns are and then figuring out, you know, like the guns are one thing because you can talk about tracking and you can say, yeah, I can get in close. But then that additional piece of, oh, well, they can't have newts, so I should be able to take the damage that does still apply to me. Or, oh, he's shield fit. Like, you can, you know, figure out if someone's shield fit, then they're not going to have those mid slots for webs. Or they might only have one web and a light shield tank, so you could get in. And some of that kind of inference becomes very powerful as you apply it more broadly. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yes. I always check Serbs because I fly a lot of small stuff about interceptors and droggers and things like that. And the difference between how safe you are on a grid with a rapid light Serb and a heavy missile Serb is <laughs> <laughs> immense. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's a, it's fairly common. People, people will bring heavy missile Serbs. That happens. You know, I think. It's worth checking Orthruses, but it's very rare in my experience that they're not rapid light. Unless they're secret Santa, right? Well, <laughs> some of them are polarized ham Orthruses. <laughs> That's true. Um, another, like, so there's also a camera trick, which I think applies much more with big ships. Because when you do look at, on, like, a rattlesnake, um, even fully zoomed in, sometimes it's hard to pick out the turret type. And, like, you know, rattlesnakes or widows, they could be a couple of different options. And um, I want to say it's, like, alt or one of them. What it allows you to do is do free look, like, free move. So once you've zoomed in all the way, and I want to say you also, like, press both mouse buttons as well. But then you can slide your mouse forward and zoom in even further. And it, it... puts your mouse or your camera into free look where you can essentially turn the angle of your camera and you can get super, super close on those turrets. Um, And like I said, I noticed it most with that scorpion hole because of where the turrets are at. And it's hard to tell if they're torpedoes, rapid heavies or crews because the, the models themselves are relatively similar between torpedo and crews. And so being able to zoom in that extra amount and actually angle your camera gives you that ability to really see them more defined. So let's yeah, talk there's about a, identifying them a little bit. Because... There's a little bit of a fuss uh, because CCP broke that briefly. Son of a bitch! <laughs> but I, I think they fixed it okay. now. No, did they break it on yeah, purpose or not? Because like no. the old camera. No, they, they changed something else. Okay. They changed something else, and it like just stopped working. Wow. For no, no very good reason. But I believe they've fixed it now. Okay. But let's t- let's talk about. So I think there was like the first the first tier of learning this is being able to just look at a ship and be like, it's auto cannons, it's artillery. But then it gets, it can get confusing. Because there are certain models where the tiers in the size start to look like each other. Um, some examples, there's some in energy weapons. So for example, like 
between beams and pulses, like this typical pulses, you know, are going to be like multiple little turrets on them. Some of them, they're like longer, but then the bigger ones in the size tend to be like very blunt and short. And the beams tend to have like longer turrets off of them. So like small focused beams kind of look like Gatling pulse, but beams also have like shields over them, over like domes over the turrets. But then pulses, the small focus pulse lasers have a dome over it, but no turret. It's like literally the difference between small focus beam and small focus pulse is a turret, like a, a, a sorry, it's not turret, but a barrel coming out the middle. And like, that's it. They look identical other than a fucking barrel out the middle of the gun <laughs> on the beam. And, and there's some energy turrets that, like pulse lasers that have barrels, like the focus yeah. medium. Like the focused mediums, both of them, like look at those two. <laughs> like the shape of the dome is what's different. That's it. Well, that's like very broad. Like it doesn't look like focused medium pulse at all. So it's, it's, there are some very like close ones. So it, if you don't know, you're going to get it wrong sometimes. Like you, it, it's it, it's like pretty hard to learn this stuff. I'm not gonna lie. Like it's uh, yeah, it takes a it, lot of repetition. Yeah, I the one that always was difficult for me to remember was the 250 railguns because so majority of the time the blasters look blunted and the railguns look long, but the 250 rails, which you do see on like Brudixes and Brudix navies. 100%. They are short and stunted and they look like blasters. <laughs> and it that one's like I I would still probably have a hard time picking it out, you know. Yeah, and then the autocannons, the benefit of autocannon versus artillery is is actually not so much the turret shape, but the animation. All of the autocannon turret like have a spinning animation on the barrel because yes. they're not like a gun with a barrel. They're they're more like a mini gun and the entire front portion is spinning constantly. And that I actually re- remember like that was the defining feature to me when I was trying to memorize turrets was that I could actually see them spinning and I knew, okay, that had to be autocannon. Even if I wasn't sure which type, it had to be autocannon. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then as long as you, if you see, like, obviously the the non-largest sizes, so, like, in mediums, we're talking, like, dual 180s, has the word dual in it. So guess what? The model has two spinning barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, between 220s and 425s, it, it is a little more difficult because it's not the case. But all the duals have multiple barrels, so that's... A good way to to look at it except again there's oddities 200 mil <laughs> they also have two two barrels on the 200 mil auto canning model even though it is the largest of the smalls like so so there are oddities yeah. it's it's very like it, it doesn't really make sense you have yeah. to just look at them and memorize it um and then the the other thing is the notifications damage notifications mid-fight if you Get in the habit of looking at those. That can tell you a lot. 
But mm-hmm. that unfortunately means that you're not in the preparation phase. You're in the combat phase and it can be too late to get away or it could be too late to change your game plan. Some of that, but it that's also a, another way to or if they start shooting at you very very early, they can give you some free information, you know. They start shooting at you from a range that they're not possible of hitting, then you can have some of that information for free. Yeah, I had that happen when I'm in like small stuff and like an already cane lands, you know, and I'm like already have good transversal on him, and I'm using a lot of uh, like mental power, like clicking in space. <laughs> so I'm not gonna like, you know, by the time it takes to look at him and go back to my ship, I would have moved a, a fair distance and could be in a bad spot. So I won't look at it. But mm-hmm. he'll just land and start shooting me, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I totally missed artillery. You know, <laughs> I almost assume they're going to be AC, but I don't actually look at the ship. I just, like, pilot in such a way that, you know, I'm I'm playing defensive because there's tons of stuff on grid, and, and that's a time where I won't use it. I'll just, like, look at my combat log and see, like, yep, he's already, he missed, like, I don't have to worry about him. I can be aggressive against this target. I guess we could talk about missiles a little bit, like missiles. Um, yeah, same thing. They're fairly distinctive. Like rocket launchers and light missile launchers are are quite different. Um, I occasionally am not sure between heavies and rapid lights because they're both the double banks and they're similar sort of profile, mm-hmm. but the heavies have the you can see the missile heads sticking out a lot more. Yes. So. They're not too bad identification-wise. That's kind of the if you just go by. Um, well, I guess both the rapid or both the heavy assault and the heavy missile have like the heads sticking out, but the, the rocket launchers and the rapid light missiles don't, and light missiles do as well. So like, I think that's a good way to to kind of you don't see that many hams out there. I would just kind of, if, if you don't know the models, I would just go by that, is is memorize which ones have warhead, like the warhead sticking out of the launcher, and which ones don't. Um, and then yeah. I guess we could mention, like, the colors. Like, there's um, little colors, like the, the accent colors on the models will tell you the like, tech level, like if it's T1, T2. Um, not as critical now as it used to be. I guess because of the ammo changes, but like, but yeah, you can see if something's T2 fit. Um, yeah, do you guys have anything else to add on on this um, topic? This chart that we're looking at is old enough that it doesn't have, or I guess it's not, is that an age thing? I don't know. It doesn't have rapid heavy missile launchers on it. Yeah, it only has um, lights. But if you look at a missile battleship, and it has something that looks like an airplane with wings made out of missiles on it. That's rapid heavies. Yeah, you can also look in game if you uh, like show info on a rapid heavy missile launcher. Yep. You can look at the graphic there too. But yeah. Anything else, guys? I think we some other ships. We'll just go through like um, Gnosis Praxis. Those are definitely ones you want to look at because uh, they can be anything. Uh, Armageddon's. I oh. always look at Armageddon's to figure out if they are like the full newt fit or if they're gonna only have a couple and they fit uh, to use all their launchers like rapid heavy, 
nuke ends, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. combination. So yep. Yep. Always look at that. Um Balgorn is kind of in that same boat. Yeah, Balgorn. Yeah, it's worth knowing if they have guns on them for sure. Yeah, I just got a Balgorn that that fits guns. So we'll see if I fly that soon. Yeah, I mean that's about it. That's it's a it's a it's something that we can talk about a little bit, but you know, if you want to learn this, it just takes time and, and effort. It's it's a definitely something that you can't absorb through conversation. Oh yeah, and <laughs> yes. <laughs> And there's, uh, with time and, like, experience, especially, like, playing around in fitting tools, you can learn or infer a lot of things about the people you run into. I mean, it, it's even, you can infer some of the things about around, you know, if, you, if your goal is to hunt ratting ships, you can figure out, okay, what, what's the most common ratting fit or, or what have you. If it's oversized prop, you know, does that put constraints on them to not be able to fit drone link augmenters? And would that mean that like sentries can't engage you at a certain range or that kind of that kind of information still can apply? Um, it's you know, they're not gonna have turrets, but like you can you can or you can look at a ship, see it has no turrets, and then determine, okay, so it's probably like a full shield fit or you know, shield with an overprop or some of those kinds of like more common fits you can play around with. So, yeah, I think like you can find your own nuance that applies to your area of gameplay, just utilizing that that look at and understanding some of the turret models. For sure. All right, guys. Well, let's move into our outro. Uh, do you guys have any any shoutouts? I'll uh, I'll give a shout out to Yan. Uh, still can't say his last name, right? But Yan Shertuskis, you know, friend, a friend of the show. But about two weeks ago, uh, my dad actually had a heart attack, and that same night, Yan out of the blue messaged me on Discord and was like, "Hey man, how you doing? Haven't heard from you a while," and uh, it just meant a lot. And like, ended up chatting with him. He posted in one of our discords just being like, Hey guys, you know, blood's going through a lot right now. If you guys, you know, just keep them in your thoughts and like, I mean, tons of people in, in discord were just shot me personal messages, shot messages in there. And, you know, it was like, uh, it was probably two days before we kind of knew what was going on. And my dad ended up having some stints put in and, and some of that stuff. Um, but it, it just meant a lot that like, he reached out and it happened to be right at a time when I could really use it. And uh, yeah, good dude. So definitely is a good dude. Very cool. Um, gosh, who am I going to shout out? I think uh, this one I'm going to, you know, I know we've we've been talking about AT stuff nonstop and praising our our alliance team, but our team captain Ovix has. Uh, Having now been to a couple of practices, I, I admire the fortitude that he has to continue captaining at all, uh, <laughs> much less with the, like, you know, sort of sincerity and, and dignity that he does it with. So I, I appreciate that. Nice. 
I don't have a shutout because uh, I couldn't think of one, and you know I don't want to force it. So my shutouts are 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 a hundred percent deserving, and one can't come to my mind. So <laughs> organic <laughs> uh, hand hand raised shoutouts. Right. Cool. So that's the show, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, you know, Blood for making the time in your schedule to come hang again, and maybe we'll. We'll make sure it's not like 25 episodes before you come back again. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. <laughs> uh, right on. All right, guys. Just remember, it's not the size of your gang. It's how you use it. Ba-boom!